Welcome to this week's class on Chassidus. We're learning a very, very powerful and meaningful Chassidic discourse. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called V'yitein L'cha. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse on Shabbos Parshas Toldes in the year Tavshin Chavches, 53 years ago. And the Rebbe certified and edited this Chassidic discourse on Rishchidosh Kislev Tavshin Nun 31 years ago. The Rebbe said the discourse 53 years ago. The Chassidic Discourse is based on the verse in this week's Torah portion, the famous blessings and the most powerful blessings that Yitzchak gives to Yaakov, his son Yaakov, and he says to him, Elohim, and Hashem should give you mitala shemayim from the dew of heaven, and from the fact of the earth, which resembles all the powerful gifts, spiritual gifts, physical gifts, all those gifts Yitzchak bestowed upon his son, Yaakov, Jacob. So the question is asked, a very, very simple question. We, all, we know when it comes to blessings, when it comes to giving, when it comes to creation, when it comes to infinite, it's Yitzchak Vavke. That's the name of Hashem. On the other hand, when it comes to judgment, when it comes to constraint, concealment, uh, discipline, then you have the name of Elohim. Blessings are usually what? From the name Yitzchak Vavke. And if you can see clearly, when you have the priestly blessings, and there's three verses in the priestly blessings, it says, Yivrecha, Shem, Yishmecha, etc. Every one of the three verses, it says, Yudke Vavke. But here in this blessing, which is the most powerful blessing that Yitzchak is giving to Yaakov, it says the name Malakim. So the question is, how do the two go together? Um, the Rebbe adds to it, and he says, that we find also that um, after Avram Avinu passed away, so Hashem came along and he blessed Yitzchak. Where it says, when he blessed him, he says, es Yitzchak, benoy, the son of Abraham. So if you give a look at all the blessings that Hashem blessed Abraham, and also the blessing that he blessed Yitzchak later on in his life, it always says Yudke Vavke, because blessings come from Yudke Vavke. And here, after Avram Avinu passed away, and he's blessing Yitzchak, what's the blessing he gives him? He gives him the, with the name of Elohim. And the question is, why Elohim? Now, obviously, obviously, if Hashem gave the first blessing to Yitzchak after Avram Avinu passed away with the name Elohim, and the blessing that Yitzchak is giving to Yaakov with the name Elohim, there must be some kind of connection between the two. And the question is, what's the connection between these two blessings that are both given with the name Elohim, not the name Yudke Vavke? So Rebbe explains this based on what it's brought down in the uh, famous Siddur, uh, which has a lot of Kabbalistic uh, insights and, and, and commentaries on it. And there's uh, different uh, commentaries based on what, 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 uh, what, what the subject matter in the prayer book is. So in the subject matter of the gate of Tkiot, the blowing of the shofar on Hashanah, so over there the Alter Rebbe explains as follows, and he says like this, that we know in the spheroids, there's two, well there's many, but there's two spheroids, and the first two of the emotional spheroids. One is Chesed, and the other one is Gvura. Generally, when you hear the word Chesed, oh! Kind, charitable, giving, etc. When you hear Gvur, what do you hear? You hear discipline, limitations, restrictions, and so on and so forth. You want to be in the uh, light of Chesed, not necessarily in the light of Gura. But the author writes as follows in this Kabbalistic teaching in the Gate of Tkiot that the flow of energy 
that comes down from Gvura is greater than the flow of energy that comes down from the flow of Chesed. Powerful, revolutionary, and obviously that's why we need the world of Kabbalah to show us the light. That the power and the flow of energy from Gvura is much greater than the power and flow of energy from the flow of Chesed. Now why is that? So the author explains as follows. The author says, because Chesed in its nature, pure Chesed is cold. And because Chesed is cold, disconnected, the giving is limited. It's limited. Cold, it's limited. You're going to get whatever is owed to you, whatever you're supposed to get. It's cold, calculated, even though it's chesed, but it's cold in its nature, in its nature. On the other hand, gvura, we know, gvura comes from warmth, passion, excitement. So because it's full of warmth and passion, so it comes in a way of tigboyrus, it totally overpowers. And it, up to the point, it can be so much bleakful without any, any limits. So again, the reason why gvura, giving of gvura is much more stronger because it's with passion, it's with, with heat, excitement. Chesed, on the other hand, what is cold? So based on this, the author explains that specifically Yitzchak, which we know is Gvura, Avram is Chesed, and Yitzchak is Gvura. So because Yitzchak was Gvura, he was able to give from the place of Gvura these powerful blessings. Mitala Shemayim, from all the great things from heaven, Mishmani Aretz, from the fat of the earth, that we do not find any of these blessings, not by Avram and not by Yaakov. And the altar explains, because Avram was Chesed, Yaakov was Tiferes, and they didn't have the power to give such great blessings. Yitzchak, on the other hand, when he wants to give a blessing, it's extremely powerful and extremely strong. Why? Because again, Yitzchak is Gura. And therefore, because since Yitzchak is Gura, when he gives a blessing, it's with tremendous abundance and literally without any limo, without any, without any limit. So based on this, Rebbe explains something very, very powerful. What does the verse say? By Yehi Achrei Mois Avram, talking the first blessing that Hashem gave Yitzchak, after Avram died. So what happened? Hashem blesses Yitzchak, the son of Avram. Why? Because in the life of Avram, what did Avram represent? Chesed. So what was the flowing energy in the world? Chesed. Chesed from Avram and Chesed from Hashem. What happens after Avram dies? Chesed went together with Avram. So therefore, what was the powerful energy in the world then? If Avram is not, uh, not there, you have Yitzchak. What's the powerful energy of Yitzchak? We know it's Gvura. So therefore, because once Avram dies, Chesed dies, now you have Yitzchak Gvura, so now you can have blessings that are very, very powerful. And therefore the blessings come from the name of Elohim, which obviously is much higher, much greater than the blessings of Chesed, which those blessings of, 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 of Elohim couldn't be around when Avram was around, because Avram was all about Chesed. Once Avram died, that's why you were able to have the first blessing came from Gvura. So based on this, the Rebbe explains that that's also why when Yitzchak, who is Gvura, gave blessings to Yaakov, what does it say? He wants Hashem, he's bringing, channeling down the blessings of Hashem. What, from what part of Hashem? Elohim from Gvura. 
that the blessing should be with tremendous abundance and with tremendous strength and with tremendous uh, flow of powerful energy. So now the Rebbe says as follows. So we have, we see clearly there's two times where you use the idea of Elohim when it comes to blessings. A, when Avram Avinu dies, so Hashem blesses Yitzchak with the name Elohim. And then you have when Yitzchak blesses Yaakov Yitzchakim. So the Rebbe says that you must say that the blessing that Yitzchak gave Yaakov Yitzchakim is even a greater blessing than the blessing that, uh, that Yitzchak received from Hashem where Now why is the blessing of Yitzchakim greater than the one that Hashem gave to Yitzchak? And the Rebbe explains as follows. Because the fact is that the bracha that Hashem gave Yitzchak, from, 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 from the level of Lakim. So if Hashem gives Yitzchak a bracha, so it's not only for Yitzchak, it's for his children. It, and automatically, if Hashem gives a bracha to Yitzchak, it would have gone to Yaakov and Esav automatically. And as Rashi says, that why did Hashem bless Yitzchak when Avram Avinu died? So Rashi says, that the reason why he blessed him, because Avram Avinu did, was afraid to bless Yitzchak. Why? Because he saw that Yitzchak's going to have two children, Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov would go in the footsteps of Avram and Yitzchak, so he was happy that the, to give him a blessing. Because he saw that Esav would not go in his footsteps, he didn't want to give him blessing. He didn't want to give him energy that he should be able to continue doing and living the lifestyle that he had. So therefore, but on the other hand, he wanted his, his son, Yitzchak, to receive a blessing. Hey, listen, I don't want the responsibility. I have blessings. If I give it to you, it's going to go to your children. I'd rather abstain and let Hashem, the one that has the source of all the blessings, let him bless you. And uh, it's, it's on between you and Hashem. I'm not involved in it. <clears throat> so in other words, like this. The blessing that Hashem gave by Yivarech HaLekimus Yitzchak, would have gone down and would go automatically to Huti Yaakov and Esav. However, the bracha that Yitzchak gave, he didn't give it to both, to Yaakov and Esav, he specifically gave it to who? To Yaakov. And what was the blessing? Hashem should give you, so obviously it's a much greater blessing because it's only focused specifically on Yaakov versus the blessing he received, that Yitzchak received, would go to both of them. Now, how do you see that it's so powerful? Because the fact is like this. The Rebbe says, A, for the, exa- the first, first example he gave, because the, the, Avram was afraid to give it because he knew it would go to both, and this way Hashem gave it. The second reason get, the Rebbe explains is as follows. Yaakov, we know, was an Ishtom. Yeshavayahalem, he was a simple person. Yaakov was an Ishtomus. Yaakov's not the type to try to go ahead and get something through trickery and so on and so forth. But we see, when it came to getting these blessings, that he knew his father was going to give, he had to go ahead and dress up like Esau. He had to go ahead and uh, serve him food, which wasn't his type of thing of doing. He did things which was not in his nature, just to receive the blessings. But why? Why did he do it? The fact is Hashem blessed his father, and he would get blessings automatically. Why do you have to go ahead and do all this trickery to receive these blessings? 
Ah, because he realized it's not just a regular blessing. The blessing that his father was going to give him is much greater than blessing. Because if he do nothing, yeah, he would get his father's blessings as an inheritance. But that was a limited blessing. He wanted the, the greater blessing. What was the greater blessing? So we see clearly what they're ever saying is that this bracha is a very, very powerful blessing and it's a strong blessing because it comes from Gvura. And it's even greater than the blessing that Hashem blessed Yitzchak. So the question is, what's this powerful blessing all about? So the Rebbe explains this uh, powerful blessing with an introduction based on what the author explains in his classical book of Nteru Er, on the Parsha, and many other Hasidic discourses as well, that why did Yitzchak, and Yitzchak's plan was to bless Esau. He wasn't planning on blessing Yaakov. Yaakov came with trickery and got the blessings. But why would Yitzchak want to give Esau the blessings? In other words, what's the issue? Esau was the oldest. Now, Esau technically did sell the, ble- the blessings to Yaakov. Now, but why, but why would Yitzchak want to give Esau the blessings? He knew that he wasn't God-fearing. He knew he wasn't up to good things. He knew the blessings would be waste- wasted. Because Yitzchak looked at Esau. And he saw that in Esau there was tremendous holy sparks. He saw powerful, huge potential in Esau. And therefore he wanted to bless him to bring in a huge light over Esau. And this way he'll be able to elevate the sparks that are in Esau. Esau was very powerful, but they were unfortunately they were scattered. He figured he'll bless him, it will gather all the sparks, it will elevate the sparks, and it'll accomplish tremendous things. But the fact is, he didn't. Why didn't he? Hashem didn't allow it to happen. Why? Because if Yitzchak would have blessed Esau, and again, his goal, his intention was correct, to elevate the sparks, the problem is, because it was such a powerful blessing, and Esau wasn't really ready for it, so therefore, what would have happened was, Esau would have been swallowed up by those blessings. Or he would have totally gotten nullified. So he wouldn't have accomplished anything. Esau would have lost his, his ability to be Esau, and the blessings wouldn't have worked. So the blessings had to go specifically through Yaakov. In other words, for these powerful blessings that would hit Esau, Esau would have been totally like shaken up and obliterated and destroyed. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to elevate. So by giving the blessings first to Yaakov, and Yaakov knowing how to handle it, and how to relate it to Esau, then it can have a real impact. And that's why Hashem allowed Yaakov to be aware about the blessings, and through his mother's help, and through obviously Hashem's help, he was able to receive the blessings from his father, and get the blessings from Mikal Shemayim, Yishmane Aretz, would go to Yaakov, and the goal is not just for Yaakov to keep it for himself, but the goal is for Yaakov to take the blessings, A, for himself, and to use it to transform Esau. In other words, like this. So obviously, these blessings are very, very powerful, and these blessings are powerful in its own right, but it also has the power to go ahead and transform and to elevate. And by Yaakov receiving these powerful blessings, he would have the ability to transform and elevate the idea of Esau. So the Rebbe asks, what's these powerful blessings? Powerful to the point you could actually elevate sparks? What's so powerful about it? So the Rebbe explains, based on what the author writes in Torah Ur and many other commentaries, that we know there's something which is called Kedusha, holiness, and then there's something which is called Klipot, 
Klipot means, so this is what you have, for example, if you have a, an orange, you have the orange and you have the shell. So the orange is the edible part. The klipa is technically the shell, but in the shell, there's also holy sparks. Say they have companies that, that uh, process the peel and they make fibers out of it, the powerful stuff in there. But a human being can't really eat it, can't benefit from it. So klipa is the shell, which means it's, it's not the revealed godliness. You need tremendous transformation. It's not bad. There's different types of klipot. There's klipot which are noigo, which are neutral, that can be transformed and elevated. And there's shalos klipa tatmeot. But generally speaking, klipot, whether it's klipa snoigo, shalos klipa tatmeot, well, um, which is the opposite of kedusha. Kedusha is holiness. It's something you see and you can elevate, you can, you can engage with. Torah, mitzvah, it's kedusha. Then there's things which are neutral, that need to be elevated, and certain things we can't be elevated. But generally speaking, klipot, when you deal with the world of klipot, the number that represents klipot is number 11. Yudalif, that represents klipot. On the other hand, kedusha, what's the number that's associated with kedusha and holiness? That's number 10. So again, kedusha is 10, and klipot is 11. What's the idea? So Rebbe explains like this. Again, klipot is 11. Kedusha is 10. And again, to be clear, 10 means 10, not 9, and not, ele- not, not 11, etc. <clears throat> or not any other number, specifically 10. What's, what's the connection? And because everybody explains as follows. Uh, what's 11? So it's actually called, in Kabbalah, it's called the 11 crowns the Misavusa. Yud Aleph Kishunis Misavusa. What does that mean? Because the way it works in Kedusha is, so we have as, as follows. You have a light and you have a vessel. So if you have a light and no vessel, what's the light? What can you do with the light? Nothing. It's a light. You need a vessel. If you have a vessel and no light, what's the vessel worth? So in, so in Kedusha, you have to have a light and a vessel. Anytime you have a light with a vessel, that's Kedusha. In other words, if you, for example, you sit and learn, and you don't bring it down to practicality, that's light. But there's no vessel. It's not going to last. Or, for example, if you just do mitzvot and you don't learn, that's creating vessels, but you, don't, you have no light. So in life, you want to balance in the spiritual world. You want to learn Torah, which gives you the light. You want to do mitzvot, which creates the vessels. And you want to balance between having light and having vessels. Just learning Torah, eventually you're not going to have Torah either because the light is going to have no way to, has to, has to penetrate somewhere. If you just do mitzvahs, at some point you're not going to be inspired. You're going to be burnt out. So you need a balance between learning and you need a balance between doing. And this way you have the fusion of the two. Now, <clears throat> so what happens in holiness, every time you have a light, you have a vessel. Now, therefore, let's look at the 10 Svirot. In the 10 Svirot, so for example, you have Chachma. So Chachma, there's two parts to Chachma. There's the light of Chachma and the vessel of Chachma. Bina, there's the light of Bina and the vessel of Bina. Das, or if you count Keser, Chesed Gvurit Feris. So in the world of Kedusha, when you see 10 Svirot, what do you see? You see the light of the sphere of each one of the spherot and the vessel of each one of the spherot. And the light is part of the vessel. And the light is connected to the vessel. If you have just a light and no vessel, that's not holy. Or if you have just a vessel and no light, that's not holy. Now, but the fact is, how can you have a vessel with no light? How does the vessel exist? It needs a light for it to exist. 
So what happens is, in the unholy world, <clears throat> you have the light which is really disconnected from the vessel. And because you have the light which is disconnected in the vessel, that's how you end up with 11 in the unholy world. Why do you end up with 11? Because you have 10 vessels, and you have one light that's disconnected that gives it energy. So that's called klipa. Why? Because how do you get to 11? It should be 10 partners. If you have one leader and 10 followers, one light and 10 vessels, that's klipa. So that's why klipa go in the category of 11. And matter of fact, <clears throat> matter of fact, when it comes to the k'tiris in the temple, the incense, they had 11 incense. Why 11? Because there's 11 klipot, and our job is to transform and elevate the world, so you need 11 to combat that. So the purpose of the 11 k'tiris is to elevate the 11 klipot that are out there. Now, so generally speaking again, when it comes to Gdusha, it's a peer. Everything comes in peers. So if you have 10 spherot, you have 10 lights. On the other hand, when it comes to, it comes to klipot, you can have 10, 10 vessels and one light, totally disconnected. Now, why doesn't, in the world of klipot, why can't the light be part of the vessel? Why is it disconnected? Because what happens is like this. It's very simple. In klipot, the light is egotistical. So if the light becomes part of the vessel, what happens now? The light in the vessel is one. The light can't handle the fact that it's one with the vessel. If I'm the light, what do you mean? Why am I one with the vessel? Why am I up here? I need to be above the vessel. It would totally lose its identity. So in the, the world of Klipot, it's always going to be one above. It's going to be 11. It's never going to be a real partner. Why? Because how can it be a partner? How can it lose its identity? It, it, unfortunately, in klipot, humility is not a quality. Ego is a quality. And therefore, it has to be 11. It has to always be a step above. In Kedusha, on the other hand, it's all about partnership. It's not about me being separate. On the contrary, if I'm separate, I'm klipa. I want to be one with the vessel. The light in the vessel wants to be one. Now, so again, so in the world of klipot, it's always one above, one, one up. It's going to be 11. It's not going to be a partner. In the world of Kedusha, it's always about partnerships. It's always going to be ten. Ten lights and ten vessels that totally become one. Now, the fact is that everything that Hashem created has a counterpart. In other words, so Sitra Achra, Klipa, has eleven. And eleven, again, is not a holy number. On the other hand, there has to be a holy eleven. Again, the ten Sfirot in the holiness, it's ten. Ten lights, ten vessels. In the in the in Klippa, it's one above ten because one has to be the big boss. It can't come, it can't mesh with all the ten spherot. But in order to create a transformation, you have to have an equal. So where do we have eleven one up in holiness? So you also have one up in holiness. What is the one up in holiness? That there's one level which is above the ten spherot. And disconnected from it. But again, it's not part of the 10 spherot. In unholiness, the 11 is technically should have been part of the 10 spherot, but it's sticking out. It's not natural to be sticking out, but it's sticking out. In holiness, 
each one is part of it, but there's something which is above it, which is higher than it. So it's not naturally supposed to be part of the spirit. It's naturally one above, which we call the idea of makif. It hovers over it. It hovers over it, and that's its identity. It's not meant to be one of it. It's specifically set up as a higher light that cannot be one of it. It's makif. It's and therefore, matter of fact, it's not it's not considered part of the ten spirit. Like for example, it says antu chad. There's one that's above it. But it's not in the cheshbon. It's not in the calculation of the ten. Because these calculation of ten, it wouldn't be one. It wouldn't be one separate. It's something unique. On the other hand, when it comes in the world of the sitra achra, the makif actually should be part of it. But it doesn't become part of it because if, once it becomes part of it, it's going to lose its identity. So it has to stay separate. Now, so if we want to transform and elevate the 11 of the klipot, of the sitra achra, how do we do it? By bringing in the makif of Kedusha, which is above the ten Sirot, which is not part of it, and in Hebrew, in the word of Kabbalah, it's called Atik. Because we know, for example, that there's ten Sirot, above the ten Sirot, there's something which is called Keser, because we're not going to count Keser now as part of the ten, we're going to use Das, so Keser's above it, what's the higher part of Keser, Atik? So the Atik is going to be the antidote to fight the Yud Aleph um, Klipot. <clears throat> now, so, in Kedusha again, you have ten, ten sets, one is totally above it. In Klippa, what do you have? You don't have ten, you have actually eleven, which is not a natural eleven. It's one sticking out of the, of the ten set. So therefore, the Rebbe explains like this. So what's the fight? What do we use to combat Klippot? The real eleven, which is basically one out of the ten spirit, which is basically Atik, which is... Makif, and it's not supposed to be part of it. But that we use to combat the, the, the 11 of the Klippot. And based on the story, it explains beautifully. The Hashem should give you, who? To give to Yaakov, because he has to go ahead and transform the powerful lights that are in Esau. Mital Hashemayim. What's the first blessing he's giving him? Tal. Tal, we know, Tal is Atik. So he's giving him the idea of Atik the higher part of Kesser, so that he should have the power and the tools to transform the sparks of Esau, which is the 11 of Klipot, through the fact that he gave him the idea of Atik. Now, so here we see powerfully what's this V'yitin L'chalakim. Now when you say for, uh, Saturday night after Havdali, you're going to say V'yitin L'chalakim. Again, so first of all, you know V'yitin L'chal, we know L'chalakim is we're talking about heavy, heavy blessings. And Mital, we know already, Mital is referring to Atik. What's the idea of Atik? It's one above the 10th spheroid. It's Makif. So that we can combat the 11 of what? Of the Klipot. Now, what's the goal? The goal is this Atik should go ahead and transform the 11 of the Klipot. Now, Atik, in order for it to go ahead and transform, Atik is, so to speak, the, the, the tool we're using. But in order for Atik to get fueled up and to have the charge and the energy to go ahead and do its job, you have to draw down into Atik, so to speak, the bullets. Atik is like the gun, the spiritual gun. And the bullets are what? Drawing down Atmos Oirein Saif, which is even higher than Atik. 
you have to bring in the essence of the infinite light, which is even higher than Atik, into Atik, and by drawing it in there, you're able to transform the 11 klipot. Why? Why do you need Atzmaser and Saif? Because what does Atik mean? Atik means it's netak, it's separated. And which the fact is, it is disconnected from hishtalshalus, the way it involves. The involvement is the ten svirot. The ten svirot start at chachma, binadas, and all the emotions. Now, keser, when it's disconnected from the ten svirot, and atik, especially the highest one, is disconnected. It's not part of it. In order for atik to come down into this world, how could it? It's makif. It can't come into this world. So in order for it to come down into this world, this powerful attic, this number 11, which we're going to use to transform the 11 of the klifot, you have to bring in atzmus oyrein saif, the essence, the infinite light of Hashem, which is not limited to any limitation, and that will give the attic the ability to do its job. And based on this, we understand the powerful, um, and the powerful blessings that Hashem gave, yitin l'chaylakim, much bigger than we said before, that it's greater than the blessing by Yivarech Lekim Yitzchak. When Hashem blessed Yitzchak after Avraham Avinu died. Why? Because the blessing of Yitzchak Lechal Lekim is that you need to be able to have Tal, Atik, should come down and to elevate, transform the, the, the sparks of Esau. And how does that happen? It happens through the infinite light of Ein Saif. And that's why the Rebbe says, if you give a look specifically, what does what the verse say? Yitin l'cha. So it says Elokim. It doesn't say Elokim. It adds a hey beforehand. Yitin l'cha he Elokim. With a hey, which is basically emphasizing. What is hey reference to? The Rebbe says, hey of he Elokim is helem ha'atzmi de'oyrein soif. The concealment, the essence of the concealment of the infinite light. And from there, you have the power to transform. So you just learn now another powerful idea. Not just Elohim, with tremendous power, but Helikim, which He is from the concealment of the infinite light of Hashem. And by having the He, which is the infinite light of Hashem, infused into Tal, then you have the power and the ability to transform the idea of Esav. And based on this, Trevor explains something very, very powerful, what it says in the Medrash. And the Medrash says like this, that um, another in, insight into the, the blessings. Medrash says, Mitala Shemayim. What does it mean Hashem gave him from the dew of heaven? Very simple. It's referring to Mikra, the Torah of Aksav, the five books of Moses. Umishmane Ha'aretz, from the fat of the earth. What is that referring to? That's referring to Torah Shabal Mishnah, Dagonist, Talmud, and so on and so forth. So the Rebbe asks a simple question. The Medrash says, again, so Mital Shemayim is Mikra, Teresh of Iksav, and Mishmani uh, Aritz is Teresh Balpeh, Mishnah and Talmud, and so on and so forth. So the Rebbe asks a simple question. One second. Yitzchak blessed him, according to this Medrash, with Teresh of Iksav and Teresh Balpeh. Torah we got from Hashem. Torah gave, Hashem gave us a Torah. And the only reason why Hashem created the world was to give us a Torah. And we know that, the, that Hashem made a, a condition with, when He created the world that if we're going to receive the Torah, He'll keep the world going. If not, He's going to destroy the world. So Torah we got from Hashem. We don't have a choice. So what does it mean, the Medrash is saying that we got Torah? And the Rebbe explains that what does it mean that He, that he, that he gave us a Torah? 
And the Rebbe explains very simple. The blessing that Yitzchak gave us, Mitala Shemayim referring to, Mishn, to, to, to Mikra, Tereshim Aksav, and Mishmane Aretz referring to Tereshim Alper, Mishnah and Talmud is referring to not Torah, that we have from Hashem. It's the blessing to Yegiyah Torah that we should toil in Torah. We should put in a lot of effort into meditating on Torah, understanding Torah, comprehending Torah, putting in tremendous effort into it. And when a person puts in tremendous effort into learning Torah, then you get to the higher level of Torah. What does that mean, the higher level? The way Torah is on its own. It knows like this. Because the Torah, in essence, what is it? It's the Chachma of Hashem. Higher than it's even Chachma Stimah. Like it's literally the secrets. The highest, deepest secrets. Now, when you learn Torah, and you learn it with tremendous effort, and you put your gear, put your, your toil in Torah, you actually reach, which is called in Kabbalah, it's called Urchizer. Because when you just learn Torah, it's Urchizer. I got what it says. Okay, very nice. But if you want to get to Urchizer, the light that's like much deeper, and the one that actually returns much in a much much deeper way, and you want to get to the Helama Atzmi, the concealment part of Torah, Ayin, as the verse says, the only one that can see it is when you, put, when you put in, when you put in your effort, so that was the bracha that Yitzchak gave. The bracha that Yitzchak gave Yaakov and gave each and every one of us, that we say, we say, Shabbos, that we should, according to the Medrashes, that we should put in a lot of effort into learning Teresh Baksav, Chumash, with the commentaries, Teresh Valpeh, Mishnah, Talmud, with all its commentaries. That is the blessing that it gave us. And by learning Torah with Yagiyah, we'll reach to the highest levels of the Chachma of Hashem, Chachma Stima, the concealed part, the, the, the concealed part of the wisdom of Hashem, um, and, and, uh, or as he calls it, Urchazer, and so on and so forth. Now, <clears throat> Rebbe adds to this idea, what did we say before? That the idea of Sitra Achra is 11. In other words, the one above is part of the number 10. Why? Because the light is part of the part that gives it energy to it. It's, 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 it's totally disconnected. Now, what happens when you go ahead and you transform through Tal, right, through Elohim, you transform the, the, the 11 of, 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 of Klipot. So then what happens is when you transform the 11 of Klipot by bringing in the Tal, or by learning Torah with Yigriah and bringing in the, the, the powerful light of Hashem, Atzmaser, and Seb down to this world, what happens is you elevate the, the, the holy sparks of, of Klipot. But what happens is also, the Rebbe says, not only do you elevate the holy sparks of, of uh, the unholy sparks of Klipot, you actually create on the spiritual side that this level of Atik, which we said before is Makif, and it cannot become a panemius because it's makif by actually elevating the holy sparks that are in the 11 of klipot, we cause that atik not only goes into the klipot to transform it, but it actually it comes into the 10 spherot, not in, in a makif way, but actually in a panemius way. So when we do our avoido by transforming the world, by learning Torah with Yigiyah, 
and transforming the holy sparks, not only do we transform the world, but we actually cause optic, which is naturally a makif, it actually is able to come in us in a way of panemius. And Rebbe says this idea that optic comes into our, our intellect, our emotions in an internal way is even greater than the fact that optic is used to transform the, the, the klipot. Why? <coughs> because when you're going into transform, so you're transforming it. And that's the power of optic, that it can transform the, the other 11. But the fact is, in the 10 spheroids, something above it can't really go into it. How does, if it's makif, how does it go into it? Nervous, so how does it go in? Because that's the power of atzmaser and saif, that it can, it can accomplish that as well. So when we do that, we're actually revealing atzmus, the infinite, the essence of Hashem, which is not limited to, a, to, to any, type of, uh, any type of calculation. So normally we say, guess what, we have the 10 spheroids, and each one is Chachma, the light and the vessels all together. Then you have Makib, which is above it, and it stays above it. But what happens when you bring down Atik to transform the world? So now you reach the Atmos. Once you go to the essence of Hashem, then there's no limit. Atik could come into spheroids. When you, when, on a certain level, it can. But when you reach Atmos, it could come into this world. And based on this, Trevor explains why it says in the Torah, V'yitain lecha. We know beforehand they're speaking about something else. So it should start off, Yitin l'cha, Hashem should give you. What do you mean? V, v means and, like continuation of the before. What do you mean? It's not, a, before is a different subject. So what does it mean, V, Yitin, and he should give? So the Rebbe explains very simple. Yitin, V, Yitin, and he should give. That means Hashem should give, Yitin. The Vav is actually another blessing. Yitin, he should give. V, Yachzer, Yitin, he should give again. There's two givings. Knows when the, the blessing is Hashem should give and give again. Two different levels of the blessing. What's the two blessings? So the first giving, the Rebbe explains, is, is drawing down the essence of the concealment, beaten chalahim, elokim, to transform and elevate the berurim of the klipot. That's the first giving. And the second, yachzev is drawing down the essence of the concealment of Hashem, which happens through the fact that we transform into Bepremius, into our Sfirot. So that's the ultimate lecha. So again, just to recap, the explains, Yitin means the first giving is when you draw down the essence of Hashem to transform the world, the Klipot. And the second Yitin is that you draw down the, es- the, the essence of Hashem into our finite spheros of chesed, gvurit, tferes, and the intellect, chachma, bin adas, and all the ten spherot. And based on this, Rebbe explains very, very simple that through the fact of a yitin l'chalakim, you draw down the infinite light of Hashem into our world to elevate the holy sparks and into our internal world on, on both levels. We, we, what happens is we're able to draw down mitala shamayim, from the greatest blessings on high, O Mishmani Aretz, and like the Medrash says, Mikra, Teresh Beksav, Mishnah, Teresh Valpeh, the revealed part of the Torah, the concealed part of the Torah, the five books of the Moses, the Mishnah and the Talmud, and not only that's on a spiritual level, but also on a physical level. Here comes the real blessings. Real 
in a real tangible way that we know that tal do never stops rain you can have rain rain season not rainy season but two is do is always going to be there and there's no reason that it, sh that it should stop and the same thing also mishmani arets we should have plenty of abundance of produce and wheat and whatever we need corn etc uh, oil wine all the beautiful blessings and everything should be baharchava with abundance not that we should have but we should have without skimping without with tremendous abundance up until we'll have the building of the third base of migdash and we know when it comes to yaakov yaakov called it bias the real base of migdash and from the base of Middash, the light of Hashem will go out to the whole world that will be able to make the whole world for a dira loy yizbore betachtoinim. So obviously, as you can tell, that these blessings of Yitnachah is the greatest blessings. The blessings that Yitzchak gave Yaakov is the greatest blessings. And the greatest blessings are that we have the power to draw down the infinite Hashem into this world. By learning Torah with effort, by transforming the sparks in the world, bringing the, the infinite light of Hashem, even Atik, into our lives in a premiumistic way. And again, obviously, there is clearly, we can do it by learning Torah, but ultimately we'll have all the blessings in a way of a Yitin Lachan, a revealed way, with tremendous blessings, Bagashmias, Baruchnias. And as Jervis says, the greatest blessings with the Binyan Beis Hamikdash, Hashlishi, and we'll all merit to be in Yerushalayim or Hakodesh. And Mitchum, God willing, the next class will be learning together in Yerushalayim or Hakodesh. Have a great and blessed week with all the tremendous blessings of the Yitin Lacha Elokim.